Hi, and welcome to the GMC podcast, the place where you can listen to the weekly word from God and find other highlights from the team at GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. In this podcast, we bring you the sermon series, Trinity, Understanding the Person of God. Each week we will take a look at a different aspect of the nature of God, God who is the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and Holy Spirit, as we hope to cast some light and wisdom upon the complexity of the three persons of the one true Godhead, the mystery of the Trinity. But before the message, let's come to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Our Father God, I pray that we have all come here today with hearts full of love, grace, forgiveness, and expectation. May we be eager to hear your word and learn once more from your teachings. Let our worship be true, sincere, and heartfelt. May your helper, the Holy Spirit, Move amongst us and speak to us, guiding us in your way, showing us your plans to grow your church and deepen our faiths. Let us never forget your son's sacrifice for us. He took all our guilt and our shame. He paid the price for our sins on the cross. May we always be grateful and continuously work hard to illuminate the light of your kingdom in this dark world. Help us, Lord, to make the most of the gifts that you have given each and every one of us. Through fellowship, may we be strengthened. Through prayer, may we be guided. Through reading and studying your word each day, may we be sharpened. Through mission, May our actions be examples of your love and faith in motion. We are told that where two or three are gathered together in your name, there you are in the midst of them. Let your presence be strongly felt here today, Lord. May our minds be kept on whatever is true, pure, right, holy, friendly and proper. Let us never stop thinking about what is truly worthwhile and worthy of praise. Amen. Following the prayer, I hope your heart has been stilled and prepared for God's word today to reach you where you are. If anything you hear in today's word from God and in the sermon challenges you, maybe raising questions and you want to know more about how we can support you in your faith, or maybe how you might like to support GMC in our ministry for the kingdom, then please contact us through our website, gillespiechurch.org. Now, over to our preacher. So... I said this week we're moving to Holy Spirit. We're moving from the person of Jesus in this series we've got on the Trinity. We're looking at Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, Spirit of God, Spirit. 
Perhaps the most misunderstood uh, person of the Trinity, I'm thinking. And uh, we're going to look at Holy Spirit over four weeks. Um, it's probably not enough. There's so much depth we could go into, and maybe we'll come back. But this week I'm looking at the uh, name of Counselor. Next week uh, it's going to be Comforter. And then in weeks three and four we're going to look first at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then finally, in uh, closing of the uh, series on the Trinity, we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. But before we get to the reading and before we get to all that, I want to take a moment just to reflect on the position of the tr- uh, Spirit in the Trinity, in the Godhead. Uh, and it was really puzzled about by the early Christians, the early theologians, and much theological debate took place in the first centuries. Uh, but to begin with, the debate wasn't really around Holy Spirit. Uh, the early church was trying to work out the relationship between Jesus Christ the Son and God the Father, trying to nail that down. And it was only after there was full recognition of Jesus' divinity, remember, some thought Jesus was just a man, but Jesus has the divinity of God. But only once that was really settled did the discussion move on to Holy Spirit and the divinity of Holy Spirit, because the Trinity is based on that fact. The three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are divine. And it's a complicated relationship. Uh, so to frame this morning, this morning's sermon, and the coming weeks, I want to share a couple of points on the divinity of Holy Spirit before we move on to the nature and purpose of Holy Spirit. If you delve through Scripture, all the titles of God are given also to Holy Spirit with the exception of unbegotten. And there's a word, well, we hear it, holy, Holy Spirit. People refer to the Spirit, but more often than not is the Holy Spirit. Uh, 4th century Bishop of Constantinople, Gregory Nazianzus, he was one of the Cappadocian fathers. He argued that this holiness did not come from an external source. We talk about becoming holy, becoming righteous before God. That is something that comes upon us. He argued that holiness was not conferred like it is on us through Christ the Saviour and Lord. Rather, the holiness of Holy Spirit was the direct consequence of Holy Spirit's nature. So that means the Spirit is the one who sanctifies, not the one who uh, is made sanctified by God. And so that, if that's the case, Holy Spirit is already holy as part of his nature, then that makes sense that Holy Spirit is divine. And so if Holy Spirit perform functions that are specific to God as well, then it naturally follows that Holy Spirit shares the divine nature of God. Another bishop, monk from the 4th century, Basil of Caesarea, another one of the Cappadocian fathers. You've, you might be thinking, who are these Cappadocian fathers? They, there were three of them, uh, and they influenced thought theology on the doctrines of the Trinity and the Incarnation. And I'm just going to read you something that um, Basil of Caesarea wrote. It's on the screen, so it, it, you can follow along and maybe it make a bit more sense. Uh, 
All who are in need of sanctification turn to the Spirit. All those seek him who live by virtue, for his breath refreshes them and comes to their aid. So if you're seeking sanctification, Holy Spirit is where you turn to. His breath refreshes them and comes to their aid in the pursuit of their natural and proper end. Capable of perfecting others, the Spirit himself lacks nothing. Spirit does not need to be sanctified by God in order to sanctify us. He is not a being who needs to restore his strength, but himself supplies life. Souls, our souls, souls in which the Spirit dwells, illuminated by the Spirit, themselves become spiritual and send forth their grace to others. When the Lord sanctifies you, he changes your heart and sends you out with grace, so you affect others. And then from here comes foreknowledge of the future, understanding of mysteries, apprehension of what is hidden, that's capturing what's hidden, the sharing of the gifts of grace, heavenly citizenship, a place in the chorus of angels, joy without end, abiding in God, being made like God, and the greatest of them all being made God. We need, did you see that in the middle? He is not a being who needs to restore his strength, but himself supplies life. When we speak about the Christian faith and it bringing life in all its fullness, it is the Holy Spirit that brings life in all its fullness. And then when you get to that end that he wrote, joy without end abiding in God. Abiding in God, bringing joy. Holy Spirit, Spirit brings these things. Let's go to Scripture. An- another part of the evidence for the divinity of Holy Spirit comes from Matthew 28, 18 to 20. From Jesus' words, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Baptism is important. Baptism is in the name of the threefold trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The confirming of someone's faith in Jesus is done in the name not just of Jesus, but his Father and Holy Spirit who he sends involves the trinity. And therefore, all three persons of the Trinity are divine. They are affirmed in the resurrected life of the believer. That's really just explaining to you the divinity of Holy Spirit. So the question then becomes is, who is Holy Spirit? In the Gospel according to John in chapter 4, when Jesus is speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well... He's speaking to the Samaritans about their worship. Their worship is different to the, to the Jews in Jerusalem and Judah. And he says to her, A time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, 
and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. God is spirit. That's the son saying this. God is spirit. It's pretty clear. But there are other words I just want to cover that we're not going to cover in the next couple of weeks. Because in, in the Hebrew, the word, you may have heard it before, I've said it before, ruach, is the word for spirit. But like so many words, it has more than one meaning. And it can be translated as other things, like wind. The wind moves, the ruach moves. And wind, when we think of wind, we get plenty of that in Scotland. Wind is powerful, it moves. You can't see it, but you know it when your hair's blowing all over the place, when it's battering the rain against you. And it's uncontrollable. We don't decide where the wind moves. And in some sense, Holy Spirit is like the wind. But it's not a natural. Holy Spirit is not natural, as in the wind being a natural force. So the analogy to wind is where we find power, the redemptive purpose of God blowing in our lives. Ruach also means breath. And when we think of breath, we think of the creation story of Genesis, of God breathing life into Adam. Or in Ezekiel, the valley of dry bones. Let me read from chapter 37, 9 and 10. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Ruach, the breath of God brings life into his believers, into a vast army, the church of God. And then charismata. Charismata, the, that refers to the filling of an individual with the Spirit of God, bringing gifts, enabling someone, equipping someone. This is what I was talking about when I was talking about the uh, five-fold ministry test I'm asking you to do. It's understanding what gifts God gives the individual. He gifts people differently. I'm not going to go into Scripture, but we can find it in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, the fivefold ministry there, and even in 1 Peter chapter 4. But what's clear to me through all my reading about an understanding of the Holy Spirit is that it's complicated, but it's also simple at the same time. It's complicated in that working out the relationship between Father and Son and Spirit taxes the world's sharpest theological minds. Reams of paper, millions of trees cut down to write about the relationship. But at heart, it is simple. And the simplicity is what matters. What Jesus said to that Samaritan woman, that God is spirit, that there was a time when the spirit would come, is what matters. And we know because we're in a time beyond Christ, beyond the sending of the Spirit, that that time was Pentecost. Pentecost was when the promise came to pass. 
And so what I want to reiterate is Holy Spirit is essential in the church today. Absolutely essential. Church without spirit in it is a valley of dry bones. No life, no guidance, no soul to the worship, no soul in the work of the church. It is dry. In a sense, that's how I ended up in the Church of Scotland. Because when we went, Emma and I and the family, when we moved to Dunbar, our natural home should have been the Scottish Episcopal Church, Anglican background. And we went to that church, and I've described it as dry, soulless, lifeless, dry bones. Yet when we went into Dunbar Parish Church, there was a presence of the living spirit in that church. God guiding us, and thank you, Lord, for it. But there can also be a danger. There can be a danger when a church becomes so Holy Spirit-led that Holy Spirit and the feelings and the guiding of Holy Spirit become the be-all and end-all without recourse to the Word of God. Holy Spirit guides, but always guides in accordance with the Word of God. So today's reading, we get there eventually, is from John 14, 23 to 26. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own, they belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Thanks be to God for the reading of his word. Amen. Maggie's leading next week, and she will be looking at the verses preceding these verses. I've kind of done it about face, but that's fine. And the reading Maggie will deal with is uh, Jesus is speaking about a world that denies him or accepts him. And it's that context which sets up today's passage. And challenged by Judas, not Iscariot, the one son of James, Jesus goes on to speak further in the passage we've just heard about Holy Spirit. And the context is those two worldviews. And it's exactly the same worldviews we face today. And those two views are summed up by love and obedience. In our passage, it said, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Two views. That's it. Not lots of views, just two. Those who do accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, and then everyone else. Everyone else. It doesn't, this view does not give comfort to those who might be the agnostic, people of other faith. Simply, it is Jesus saying, in another way, what he said when he said, I am the truth, the way, and the life, the only way to the Father is through me. Obey, do not obey. Two choices. 
And so, what's Holy Spirit's part in this world? How does Holy Spirit serve in the world to those who love Jesus? To, lo- to those who have the worldview, Jesus is my Savior and Lord, I will love and obey him. Well, let's take a step back for a moment and think about the process of coming to Christ. We've heard Lorna's testimony this morning. And it's worth repeating. Lorna mentioned that there's never a time when she's not had a belief in God. But there was a time, and not a moment in time, but a a time frame where God worked in her life and made the love of Christ in her life known to her. So at some point, we, whether, we, whether it's a single moment in time or over a time frame, we do come to a decision, a decision about Christ, and we don't inherit it. It doesn't come through our DNA, even those who have always been Christian. At some point, come to a, a place of affirmation that Jesus is my Savior, my Lord. And what is clear to me is that the way to faith in Jesus is through the Word of God. Lorna mentioned, of course. It can be the Word of God in Scripture, and is always is. It can also be through writings. Think about how mere Christianity, through the decades since C.S. Lewis wrote it, has affected people and brought people to faith. We know Jesus through the word of Scripture. We know God through the revelation of the incarnate Jesus. Therefore, we know God through the Son, and we know Jesus through the Son. Sorry, we know Jesus through the word, Scripture, that reveal him to us. So, of course, the Scriptures are a way into that relationship where we learn of him and learn from him. But the process isn't just about reading Scripture or hearing it, as you're doing this morning, but it's also about taking it on board. It's not just an intellectual exercise. It's got to get from your head to your heart. And it's also about learning about the relationship God desires with you, where he values you, despite sin getting in the way. Despite the fact that you might not think you are valued. When we accept the word, when we understand the word, when we come to accept Jesus as Saviour and Lord, there is a step, and it's that acceptance. And part of that acceptance is baptism. Now, if you're like me and your parents decided to baptise you when you were a wee bairn, you don't have much choice in the matter. I didn't get a choice. I was baptised. But there was a point after my Alpha course where I wanted to make the decision for myself. I went through confirmation classes and there was a couple of adults and most of the people who else got confirmed that, that particular Sunday by the Bishop of St. Albans were teenagers. But I confirmed the vows that my parents had taken as my parents when I was however many months or a year old. But whether it was confirmation or actual baptism, what matters here is the centrality of baptism, and as I've already said, is that it's in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, 
central to our faith, that divine relationship of the three. So when Jesus talks about sending Holy Spirit as the advocate to those who love him, to those who've made a decision, baptism is wrapped up in that. But what is an advocate? Well, in Scotland, when people hear the word advocate, they probably think of wigs and gavels and judges and gowns and all of that sort of stuff. For an advocate is a QC, somebody who walks, works in the law courts, and they are there to represent their client. The advocate supports and backs up their client. But in the case of Holy Spirit, Spirit advocacy is not on our behalf. The advocate is not there as an advocate for us to advocate to God. Holy Spirit comes on behalf of God, the Father and Son. Jesus says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father, teaching all things. And you might think, why? Especially for the disciples, they hung out with Jesus. They lived life with Jesus. Surely they had much more experience than we even get from Scripture. John says so at the end of his gospel, that there were many more things that he could have written. So why do they need Holy Spirit? Why, do they, why, why can they not just take everything that they've learned and go and do the kingdom work? Surely they can do that. Well, yes and no. Any of you who've worked currently or have worked in a job that needs CPD, continuing professional development, in the law, in business, in accountancy, dentistry, medicine, all of this stuff, if somebody, if I went to a dentist who was trained 40 years ago and had done no CPD as dentistry has carried on, I might be a bit concerned. If I was going under the knife of a surgeon who'd been taught their surgery 40 years ago and had done no updating, I might be concerned. And so too with the Word of God. In fact, coming to the Word of God is just the beginning. It's the very beginning of the longest journey of our lives. It's a forever journey till the day we die. A forever learning, forever growing, forever being sanctified by the work of Jesus upon us. And that's where Holy Spirit comes in. Because the Holy Spirit comes to teach all things. Holy Spirit was coming to Make the disciples do their revision, do their CPD. Remind people that actually, don't go astray, this is what Jesus said, keeping you on track. He came that the disciples in their mission to the world would have the requisite insight to the teachings of Jesus. Because, yeah, Jesus was recognized as a teacher, rabbi, they called him. But in his absence, in his physical absence, from our world as the incarnate Son of God, it is Holy Spirit who comes to remind you of everything I have said. And do you get that? Everything I have said. 
One of the traditions of a denomination, the Church of Scotland, that's quite often shouted loud, I wonder whether we'll hear it this week at the General Assembly, is a phrase, Ecclesia Reformata Semper Raphamanda. The church reformed, always reforming. Sounds sensible enough. I went onto the Church of Scotland website. It says on one of the pages, if we are to fulfill the church's mission in sharing the gospel, we need to be a people who are prepared to incarnate the gospel in the many and various expressions of contemporary culture. That's a reading of the phrase, Ecclesia Reformata, Semper Reformanda. The church is a reformed church, reformed, left the denomination of the Roman Catholic Church, part of the reformed church, and we are always reforming as church. But I'd argue that's this, this phrase, learned people, much more learned than I, have gone back, uh, academics, and they believe its origins, uh, origins are found in a devotional written by the Dutch Reform minister, Jodocus van Lodenstein, in 1674. Lodenstein was absolutely squarely behind the Reformation that had taken place in doctrine, in worship and governance of the early Protestant church. But at heart, his always reforming bit of that phrase was not aimed at a church to be continually reforming, but rather that the followers of Jesus would always be working to ensure that our hearts, our lives are being reformed by the word and by the Spirit of God. And you might think, what's the difference? Well, the difference is these words chime with the words of Jesus. Holy Spirit is there to teach us everything Jesus has said. The problem with the church, or parts of the church that want to say, oh, we're, we're always reforming, is where they're looking for the inspiration of their reformation. If it's to the world to reform what the Word of God says, then that's an incorrect reading. But if it's looking at what Jesus has said through all the words of Scripture, not just in the Gospels, Genesis to Revelation, which after all is the breathed Word of God, that's where we start. Holy Spirit is not sent to help us reinterpret the Word of God, but to understand the Word of God in light of our lives today. Holy Spirit mediates between the horizontal and the vertical, between God and Father, and between us as believers. But Holy Spirit also mediates between the past, the pre-resurrection words and deeds of Jesus, and the present, his post-resurrection church, us, the community of believers. So here again these words of Jesus. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Four times, you. Four times Jesus says you. I have spoken to you. Holy Spirit will teach you 
remind you everything I said to you. I think that's pretty important. Pretty important. Holy Spirit is not some lesser part of the Trinity, not something to be left out of our worship, out of Christian faith and life, but neither is Holy Spirit the be-all and end-all of Christian faith. For if we seek revelation of Holy Spirit without recourse to the Word of God, then we disgrace the Word of God. So to finish up, my question to you this morning is this, will you allow Jesus and the Father to make their home with you? The first verse of our reading this morning said this, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Yeah, we got that. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Holy Spirit will come and dwell and make his home with you. So will you? Jesus talked about going to prepare a place in his Father's house. In, that's John 4 too. But as well as going to prepare a place when we go to glory, Jesus also prepares a place in our hearts for Holy Spirit to reside, for God to reside Holy Spirit is the advocate, the teacher extraordinaire of our lives. He leads us in the word, he leads us in understanding of scripture and the ways of scripture. He leads us in the word and ways of Jesus that we would then live a life worthy of his calling and of our baptism in his name. So may you this day all open your hearts to Holy Spirit that he may teach you what he has for you in this season of your life. It won't be the same for each of us. Also, what he has for us as the body of Christ. Where is he leading Gillespie Memorial Church? For it is not only the individual Christian Holy Spirit leads, it is the church, if only the church would listen and welcome so, Lord, lead us in your ways, guide us, teach us by the power of Holy Spirit that you would reside in us and us in you, now and forevermore. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Sunday podcast today from GMC in Dunfermline, Scotland. For more details about who we are, what we believe and how we serve, visit our website at gillespiechurch.org or find us on Facebook and YouTube. All inquiries can be made through the Contact Us page of our website or by calling the office. If you'd like to support our work with a few quid, then offerings can be made through the Support Us with Stewardship icon on the homepage of the website. This has been a production from GMC including the pastors and tech team. All copyright remains with the producers. Today's episode was edited by Jack Wiggle and the contributing music is Up to the Mood from Low Tree. Thanks for listening and God bless. Music